This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. Pete Alonzo pounds the Cubs at season two. It's episode 60. And in this segment, Crowley interviews Matthew Trueblood, writer and editor at Northside Baseball, to discuss some issues the Cubs are working on right now. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, writer and editor of Northside Baseball, Matt Trueblood. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good to be here. As a little bit of a nail biter last night, to say the least, huh? Yeah, I mean, really, you hardly have to bite your nails anymore with Adbert. He's been so impressive. But going through the heart of the Mets lineup with a one-run lead on the road, another another notch in his belt. Right, and and tonight is interesting because they are going to be facing a lefty. And so that means Seiya Suzuki is going to be in the lineup. And you wrote an article that caught my eye the other day about Seiya Suzuki. Now, I know last season was going to be tough for the guy, right? New country, new culture, new city, new teammates, new league. I wasn't expecting much, but I did have high hopes for this season, and it hasn't panned out. And you wrote about this. I mean, Seiya has lost his starting spot for the time being. What do you see going on right now with Seiya Suzuki? I think it's a couple of things. And you're right to point out, you know, we can't make excuses on this kind of basis forever for him. But uh, if you even go back to when he first came over, well, that was the lockout truncated spring training. And then this year, because of the oblique injury, he didn't really have a spring training. And I think we've seen frequently during his time in the States um, a timing issue where his his swing, he's very good at adjusting mid-swing and getting the bat to the ball. But when he does that, he tends to give up a lot of his power, a lot of the authority of his contact. On other occasions, we've seen him really scorch the ball. So we know that power is in there. He's not getting to it right now because I think the way his swing is engineered, he has to guess right. He has to know what's coming and, and roughly where it is to put the good part of the bat on the ball consistently. And he's just not able to do it. And that's got some to do with, again, timing stuff. Um, it's got to do with approach. He's a very patient hitter, but I think we're, we're bordering on maybe even past the border of too patient. Um, so he's got to make some significant adjustments. And I think some of them might have to wait for the off season. But I also think there are some things that they're hoping by giving him more time off here on a matchup basis, just tactically, but also to sort of, reset and maybe uh, rethink his approach that he's going to be able to take that even in the, the short term of the stretch run here and hopefully get back on track. Maybe not the guy we all envisioned or, or hoped for, especially coming into this season. Like you said, I, I had high hopes for him too, um, but something more consistent than what he's been this year. 
Right, and you're talking. This is year two of a five-year deal, and and he's he's taken up in right field. He's taken up, you know, a, um, a position that you traditionally look for power for. And once again, I mean, uh, in your article, you kind of talk about a lot of the power that he's having. Unfortunately, is going right into the ground. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's part of you know his swing and the way specifically that he'll adjust. He gets a good bat speed going but he does not want to swing and miss. And he just sort of very naturally adjusts his, his bat path, his hand path mid swing when he sees, you know, catches sight of some spin or some cue that tells him, Oh, this isn't the pitch I was expecting. That can be a good thing, but it also tends to mean that he's either hitting sort of lofted sort of flares, looping liners. We've seen a lot of those singles that are going to be singles all the way, but they're never going to be doubles from him, you know, where he, he sort of scoops it over the infield. And we've seen a lot of like 110 mile an hour ground balls. What we need to start seeing more of is 110 mile an hour fly balls, right? And I know that's a lot to ask, but but something in that general range is what you're trying to produce more consistently in the major leagues. And I think some of that is an approach change that he's having to make mentally from what he had a lot of success with in NPB. Um, some of it is dealing with, you know, he's had multiple injuries that have interrupted his his opportunities to get playing time and get in the rhythm. Um, but at a, at a certain point, again, he's got to perform or right now the Cubs have a lot of good options and he does just have to, to slide to the bench, even if it's only most of the time for the next couple of months. Were you surprised at how quick kind of David Ross made that decision as far as, as benching him? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I feel like Ross really flipped a switch, you know, the last couple of years, there wasn't a lot a trusted veteran and especially a highly paid veteran could do to, you know, lose their job under David Ross. And I think whether he was taking a cue from the front office or he was taking a cue from his own players surging the way they did right before the deadline and forcing the front office to buy um, things have made a sudden sort of a quick change where, yeah, now everybody's being held accountable. Now Trey Mancini's out. Now Patrick Wisdom's not going to see the field unless and until he earns it all back. Now, yeah, I mean, Nick Madrigal's been playing better than Seiya Suzuki, so you get another versatile piece in Jamer Candelario, and you use it to nudge Suzuki out of the lineup instead of Madrigal the way maybe we all envisioned. It does surprise me a bit, but it's certainly a good thing, you know, as opposed to even earlier this year when he just kept running out Mancini and even Eric Hosmer. Oh yeah. And, 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 and the other thing that I kind of wonder is, is it seems to me like Saya really puts a lot of pressure on himself mentally. And, you know, it, we, we both know, everyone knows baseball is a game of failure. You're going to have your failures, but you can't let uh, the last at bat impact the next one. You got to be ready and clear your head. And it seems to me like he just gets so down on himself that, that he can kind of get himself in these funks. Yeah. Without getting into the trap of assuming we know more about his personality than we do, he really seems like an intense guy. And that's the personality of this whole positional core they've assembled, right? Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki. Those four want it bad. And they, they hold themselves to extremely high standards. And I kind of wonder, you know, and again, not to, to pretend to know things I don't know about the inner workings, but it's got to be hard when you're Japanese, you're coming here. It's not your first language that most of the clubhouse is speaking. And it's not even a language that most of the clubhouse is at least mildly conversant in like Spanish. Right. 
there's got to be a little bit of an isolating or a lonely feeling of I'm struggling. I demand way more of myself. And it's hard to just have those, you know, to chop it up with a couple of guys, even though I know they all want to do that and they all work together as best they can. I'm sure that's another element to it where it's just hard when you're a person who's as driven and as, again, demanding of himself as Saya is to not necessarily have some of the outlets that some of the other players in that clubhouse might have. So David Ross did mention that, that he is starting tonight against the Mets, against David Peterson, a lefty. So do you believe that this is a good start or a good step to get Suzuki back on track? Yeah. I mean, he's really, ever since, since the weekend, he's had, I don't know, three or four games off, but for a pinch hit appearance or two, that should be enough time for the mental reset for the basic stuff you want to do. Like I said, I think there are things about his swing or his approach that may have to bleed into the offseason to say, now we have time. We can get you into a different timing pattern. We can maybe adjust uh, the relationship between your hips and your shoulders in terms of rotation. That stuff might need to wait. But there are some cues that he can probably lock in on over these few days, working with the hitting coaches, working in the cages, because you still want him to be a valuable weapon down the stretch here. It's just going to be... And again, this is a good problem because of the way Mike Talkman is playing, you end up only needing him in a sort of role player position rather than hoping that he was going to back clean up every day, which is where we were when we came into the season. Uh, yeah. Now, another issue that you discussed, and it was, I saw a conversation between you and Greg Zumak. Greg has been on the show before, but having to do with inning loads, right? Justin Steele recently has pitched more innings this season then he has his entire career, and for those of us that were brutally scarred by what happened with Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor in 2003, you know, it, it is something when these young guys are throwing more than they ever have in the past. And, you know, you, you have an injury to Marcus Stroman. You, you've had, um, you had uh, struggles with Smiley not going deep, and then in the first half of the season it was Tyone not being able to pitch and go deep. How concerned are you with some of the young arms that the Cubs have and the uh, and the amount of innings that they've uh, thrown so far? With Steele specifically, I'm not especially concerned. And I, I want to clarify some of the differences that exist between, again, you know, those cases that have traumatized us and this one. Justin <laughs> Steele is 27, 28 years old. Yeah. It's not like Kerry Wood. And what we might even count as pitcher abuse these days, which Justin Steele hasn't even undergone. I mean, this last start against Atlanta was easily the most grueling of his career. And it would have been like an average start for Mark Pryor in 2003. Wasn't you know, 123 uh, pitches. <laughs> right. I mean, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply they were getting into the one thirties on the regular and it, on hot days, they'd be working eight innings. This is not that. And Steele again is older. He's out of what sabermetric people used to call the injury nexus, where once you're 25, 26, the structures in especially your shoulder and even your elbow are just a little more fully formed and, and set. And that doesn't mean he's safe from injury. And I don't want to 
create a false sense of security for people. But it's also inevitable that the Cubs have to lean on Justin Steele down the stretch. This is a team that's in a position to win. If the playoffs and if the season ended today, they're in playoff position, right? You can't quit on that team. And you can't ask the ace of that team to throttle way back or start piggybacking him or skipping his turn in the rotation when, especially when the other co-ace of the team is on the injured list and wasn't reliable even before that. So we have a lot of uncertainty about when he gets back. They have to keep sending him out there. I think they'll lengthen out the rotation, use six guys here and there, try and give him some extra rest. But, you know, you can't, you just can't coddle people at this stage given where he is in his service time progression what his age is and i think especially that dude's a bulldog he wants to be out there so just let him be out there well you mentioned a six-man rotation and that 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 gets interesting um now we're about what a couple weeks out a little bit more like what three three and a half weeks out from expanded rosters but it's not the old school expanded rosters remember where you, you basically couldn't fit everyone into the dugout they limit that now talk to our listeners about those limits that's going to occur on september 1st yeah so obviously it's it's very different it used to expand from 25 to 40 on september 1 and few teams called up their entire 40-man roster that was impractical but by the end of the year teams would have 32 or 33 guys, even for a contending team that didn't have a lot of playing time to spread around. Suddenly you had two tactical pinch runners and your bullpen had four extra guys, including two long men who had been starters in AAA. All that is gone. You carry 26 most of the year on September 1st, it becomes 28, two extra slots. And you need to preserve the same balance where you're not allowed to have more than half your roster be pitchers. That rule applies throughout the season and it applies in September. So they can basically call up one position player and one pitcher on September 1. That helps. Um, There's still quite a bit of help in that. Depending on how you choose to use it, it can be that extra starter to go six, maybe when you're at a soft point in the schedule or you play 16 straight days like the Cubs are in the middle of right now. Um, Or it can be an extra short reliever so that if you need to pull, you know, Drew Smiley in the third inning of a game, you're able to get through what becomes a bullpen game without zapping your bullpen for the following day. Either way, that does help, um, but it's not the same degree or kind of change that we used to see. Now, when you talk about a six starter, you know, the Cubs have options and that that's a good thing, right? Like, so, you know, I, I saw what Hayden Wisniewski the other day, I thought he pitched really well against a very, very good Braves lineup. Uh, Javier Assad has been an unsung hero of this team. You know, he, he struggled to start the season after a fantastic world baseball classic, but now he's looking more and more like that guy we saw in the WBC. Could you see a couple starts where Assad and Wesniski maybe piggyback and try to go six, seven? Yeah. I think especially if they, um, if they get Stroman back and he looks more like his first half step self, which I think a lot rides on that anyway. Um, they may try to piggyback one of those guys with Drew Smiley, try to get the other one through five innings here and there. Um, it, it also helps that they just recalled Caleb Killian. And I think with a little more faith than they've had the last couple of times, they've had to call on him uh, in the major leagues. Killian can now sort of fill a long relief role in the bullpen, which frees up a Wesneski or an Assad to make those spot starts and be treated more as a, a part of the rotation or that, now old fashioned, you know, when, when I was a kid, it was a normal thing to have 
But nowadays, the swingman is almost a role that's gone from the game. Well, I think that's yeah. where Wisniewski and Assad are now. Uh, now that Killian can take up the permanent sort of long relief role in the pen. So you wrote an article on North Side Baseball recently about Caleb Killian. He's, you know, uh, when you talk about Killian, that was the Chris Bryant trade. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and we're, we're looking at him and, you know, he came up once against Miami and I thought it was like, I thought they put him in a bad position. He, he, his, he was off on his, on his uh, rotation and all that stuff. What's the difference between, cause Caleb came in the other day, I believe, and it was bases loaded, no outs. And, and he gave up one run. I mean, that's pretty darn good in my book, but what, what do you, what do you think the differences are between the Caleb Killian we saw in uh, Miami versus what's happened since then? There's a few of them. Uh, and it's a, it's a good thing. I don't, I don't want to pretend that he's transformed back into the top prospect that maybe we all briefly dreamed on last May or June, but uh, this guy has made some real progression as the year's gone on. His fastballs picked up about a mile and a half of velocity or a mile and a half per hour since May. So that's important right away. He's also getting more comfortable. The tension for him when he first came over from the giants was between, do you let him be this sort of sinker cutter guy, or do you try to get him? Cause he has sort of a up high arm slot. Do you try to get him, throwing a four seamer that rides to the top of the zone, the more uh, trendy kind of pitcher in the, in the big leagues these days, he really got lost in the weeds trying to decide which of those two he was going to be and sort of going back and forth in between them. And then there's a final step when you realize that you might be one of those pitchers who needs to just be able to do both without you being excellent in either by themselves. And that is a tough sort of integration process. He's completed it now. He's comfortable with his four-seamer. He's comfortable with his sinker. He knows how to use them both against right-handers and left-handers, which pitches they set up and which they don't, where he can have success locating them. And also, he's just made a slight change to his release point that's giving him not only more velocity, but more ride on that fastball so that he can access a little bit of the top of the zone that he might not have been able to before. Um his numbers were pretty strong in AAA, and that's a league right now that is in chaos for pitchers because the automatic strike zone they're calling is teeny tiny, especially where, what we would call the top of the zone in the major leagues. Stops way lower. He was able to overcome that. So clearly he's figured out a lot of things in a short amount of time. It doesn't mean he's going to be a superstar. He still doesn't have really what I would call a standout secondary pitch at this point, but he's gotten comfortable with the, the cutter his pitch mix looks a lot like a Javier Assad's or a Albert Alzali's at this point. I don't want to overexcite people by mentioning those comps because obviously they look great this year, but I think that's the range of success that he might finally settle into. And it's just going to be that it took a little longer than we might've imagined just as it did with Alzali. Right now, Assad was Niski and Killian on the roster right now, pitching two guys in AAA, Jordan Wicks and Ben Brown. We've had Ben Brown on this show. Great kid. You know, you you think that one of those two are going to be the pitchers that's going to be called up on September 1st. As of right now, who do you think has the inside track and what can we expect from both of those guys? Yeah, that, that one's tricky. And I think a lot of it depends on Brown's health. He's on the injured list in Iowa right now with a lat issue that isn't considered a, a super serious one, but you just never know, right? Once a guy goes on the shelf, I'm not going to count him as, 
as ready to potentially be promoted to the majors till he gets off the shelf and shows you that he's still got the same stuff and command. Um, I think Brown, if he checks off those boxes, has that inside track just because he's already on the 40-man roster and he'd been pitching in AAA longer before hitting the injured list than Wicks has been since he was promoted from AA. Those are two very important advantages. Um, so I would probably lean Brown. I think it's it's quite possible. You know, we're still three weeks out, even from September 1st. But I think right on September 1, you could see a reliever called up instead. Someone like Bailey Horn, the lefty reliever who's been looking pretty good most of the time lately. <laughs> or even Tyler Duffy, the veteran reliever who his stuff is way down, but he's having success in Iowa. He's the kind of pitcher that the Cubs find and sometimes manage to do stuff with, even though their fastball is underwhelming. Um, you could see one of them come up right away. And then maybe in the second week of September sometime, that's when, whether it's Wicks or Brown, the one who's sort of proved themselves ready does come up and, and make a spot start and maybe stick with the team the rest of the year. Well, we got some things to be looking out for right now. So, you know, we're going to be watching the start tonight and see what say it does. We're going to be watching these pitchers and seeing if Ross goes with the six man rotation, Matt, I appreciate you jumping on. Where can our listeners find you on social media and where can they read your work? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter X, whatever we're going to call it at M a true blood. And most importantly, the website that I help run and write on just about daily is northsidebaseball.com. We got a good thing growing there and hope you'll stop by. I, I love the articles. That's why I wanted to have you on, Matt. I appreciate you. And hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future. Same to you. Thanks.